Welcome to this episode of Temple Beth Am's Are You Coming Back? Personal, candid conversations with Jewish thought leaders across the country on the future of Jewish practice. Hosted by Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney. Joey Weisenberg is a bit of a celebrity in the Jewish world. He's also an introvert, and conversations with him are sweet and earnest, and I love them. I love talking with him. We got to talk about everything from wood carving to what it's been like to hunker down for Shabbat for gosh, three quarters of a year at this point. This was such a great, wide-ranging conversation. We got to talk about wood carving, and he picked up his guitar a few times and shared what it's been like to relearn the craft, the art of playing and teaching music in this strange and wondrous time. I hope you stay tuned for this awesome conversation with Joey Weisenberg, the director of Hadar's Rising Song Institute, as we explore the question, are you coming back? Joey, welcome. Hey. I'm really, really glad to be talking with you today. Um, I love singing with you. I love singing your music and making music with you. Um, but here we are to have a conversation. Um, right. A little bit of a, a different um, format for us. And I'm glad we can meet from across the country. I'm not totally opposed to words. Oh, okay. <laughs> not non-musical words, non-wrapped words. Um, so I, I guess I guess we're gonna start by like take. Uh, could you could we do like a retrospective? Could you take me back yeah. to like 2019, which sounds now like a really long time ago because it's 2021 which is pretty crazy this is the first recording i'm doing in 2021 mm -hmm. um so take me back to 2019 like march 2019 you know but like maybe even be before then uh, and what what were like what, what was what, what was shabbat morning what was a holiday or a gathering like for you then what were the sights and sounds like for you and your family before before everything changed, you know? Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so, so much different and, uh, and both are good. I think, um, I have been a musician for most of my life and, um, and I have made music all around, all around the world with different types of bands and different types of people and different types of communities. And so in terms of Shabbat morning, <laughs> um, there was, there were kind of two options. One is that, that I've been home with my family, um, which has been really sweet. And the other option was that I was, you know, for better or worse, traveling somewhere and making music with, with hundreds or more people, um, and that would be that I'd be singing with huge groups of people, just making beautiful harmonies, especially on Shabbat morning and on Friday night. Um, and so it was um, almost this manic existence where sometimes Shabbat looked like this gigantic, full, beautiful, peak, um, spiritual, harmonic experience. <laughs> and then other times it was very um, introverted and close to home and quiet. Um, and a little bit seesawing back between those types of um, experiences. And, you know, when we were at home and being quiet, um, usually we would be going to shul um, in the, at, at the neighborhood um, shul, and, um, which is the Germantown Jewish Center in Philadelphia, and um, which we love so much. Um, yeah, so that's what that's what Shabbat was sort of, you know, broadly looking like. <laughs> which of those was, which of those brought you peace? Which of those like makes you <sighs> calm, deep in yourself when you think back to to those times? Is it both of them in their own ways, or is there one of those that that is like home base to you? You mean the the the, uh, the big peak event or the home or the being at home? 
Yeah. I mean, there's 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 elements of each that are that are where I find my home, <laughs> you know, and that's um, one of the things about being an artist or being a, a performer, an entertainer, or a holder of space, or a baltfila, or a shaliach tzibur. Um, all of these roles that I hold from time to time um, is that you kind of carry your world in your head with you and then try to manifest it um, wherever you go, which takes a lot of chutzpah. But if you, if you happen to hit on a, on a place where it's working, there's nothing greater than that feeling of, of you know, Five, ten, twenty-five, hundred, three hundred, a thousand people opening their mouths um, in song and just filling up the space with harmony. There's, there's, there. In some way, from a spiritual or musical perspective, there's no, there's no greater being at home <laughs> than kind of entering into that that hechal um, negina that uh, for me that that um, palace of song. Right. It's its, it's, its own home. And then, on the other hand, there's there's the very quiet side of me um, that's family centered, um, and that is okay without all of the stimulation, um, and that that wants to take long walks in the woods quietly, listening to the songs of the birds, and which is something that's really opened up in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. Do those worlds ever meet? Do you ever take, you ever take your family to ever try it? Um, did your family ever travel with you to, to do those giant things? From time to time. But, you know, in, in some ways it's, it's, um, I mean, my, 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 my music really grows out of my family to begin with. So it's, it's hard to separate those. And, you know, I, I learned how to sing Zmirot by, by singing um, with my wife and with, eventually with my kids um, and our friends around the table in the living room with our families. Um, you know, we, it, it essentially is something that starts in the home. Um, and then, so it all grows from there, <laughs> you know, and then we just, we, we were singing and then we had a bunch of friends who would come over to sing. And then, and then we realized that there were a lot of people who wanted to sing. And, um, you know, so then I started taking it out further into the world away from the home. Um, and honestly, that's a little bit of a tricky, <laughs> tricky balance to make because it's hard, it's hard to to start somewhere and then take it somewhere else. And then, you know, sometimes I realize that, wait a second, this should be happening at home, not, not, you know, in the big group. But on the other hand, yeah, sometimes my kids um, during COVID, especially one of the, the greatest gifts have been that that's because I couldn't go into the world. Um, I've gone instead to, to sing every Thursday night with my, with my children. Um, and we've been, we don't practice. We just get online and, and sing some songs. And it's a, it's a kind of this odd, this nice way of being at home and being with them and also offering something to the world that, that at least a few folks are enjoying. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, part of the, part of what maybe I've learned from the Torah of music, also a plug for your, you know, your book or like what you put out in the world. But part of what I've learned from the, the craft that you have put out in the world. And I think from the form and the model that's been put out there for this creation of um, what the Hadar ensemble does by gathering, you know, the model of sitting in a church basement and then like putting out a video of those purposeful gatherings. Um, and I think maybe like my own Torah of music on this, but I'm not sure that I like, sh maybe I do accidentally share this with other people is that I think that, I think that the idea of 
the spontaneity of those purpose of those of those gatherings, you know, around a table. I think that the idea that the spontaneity is the magic is a farce. Um, I actually think that the creation of it on purpose is a purpose. And I think that I think that what you do going on the world and creating these these spaces of Hechal Nagina with communities on purpose, I think there are places for spontaneity and times where that's magic and where it's created, um, you know, spontaneously. And those are, those are wonderful and they're transcendent, right? Where we accidentally discover it. Um, and I think that those have their own magic to them, but I think most of the time we have to create them. I think most of the time, we have to go out there and we have to make it and we have to choose to sit a certain way, sing a certain way, place in ourselves a certain way, be a certain way, um, reject certain things within ourselves and accept certain things upon ourselves in order to make space for the music to come in and and for the music to go out. So I, I don't think um, – I think that if we wait for the spontaneous things, for those magical moments to just come – they're going to be so rare. We're, we're rarely going to experience them. Um, yeah, I think we have to make them happen. That's beautiful. I, I mean, I think that that's, the, that's at the heart of the term for musician, which in Yiddish, which is klezmer, which comes from klezmer, right, which is a vessel, a holder of song. And, um, you know, when, uh, when you, you make a vessel, say a bowl or a cup, and you have it serves two purposes. One is to hold something and the other is to pour something, right? So you fill up your cup, your, your cle- you fill up your cup with, with song and with, with form and with tradition. And then it overflows, kosi rivaya, it overflows. And what overflows out is the spontaneous new um, expression that you, you, you hadn't planned on when you started filling it up. Mm. Right. And this is basically the, the polarity that's at the heart of every single artistic and religious tradition is the, the interaction and the dialogue between the form and the fire, right? Between the fixed and the unfixed, the keva and the kavana, um, right? It's between the, the forms that we create in order to make something regular and the spontaneous outpouring of the soul, which is completely irregular, but which sometimes thrives because of what you've created in the regular. (laughs) Right. Well, that's exactly what any jazz musician (laughs) or I mean, any musician and any klezmer musician will tell you, but that's exactly what form is, right? As long as it's right. They're they're playing and they're improvising within within this form. The form makes it beautiful, and we're gonna play these twelve bars. And here's this beautiful melody. And then I'm gonna take those twelve bars, and something is gonna overflow from within it. But it's it needs the vessel and needs the container for it to make sense and overflow, and then like fill back up. So yeah. That makes- yeah, and that's at the heart of what's happening in, in religious tradition as well, right? Which is initially there's an outpouring of the soul, of wonder, of awe. And then, and then we want to try to capture that and, and, and have that happen more frequently. <laughs> so we make these systems to make that happen. And then um, those systems give the language and, and give the memory of that event, um, but then it has to be rekindled and the systems all have to be broken, uh, you know, in order to make room for what's actually there. I so. love this. I love this idea. I love, I can think very cosmically about this. I was just reading a book, like I was just reading a book with my daughter about how the whole, like, I, it, it got me thinking with real cosmic wonder about the idea at, at five years old, she's just discovering that all the water that ever existed on earth still exists on earth and is just like recycling over and over and over again. And like my mind is going right back there. Like we are all just like containers overflowing and overflowing and overflowing. Like music's doing the same thing. It's still just the same, like 12 notes. We are just like coming back over and over and over again to the same, like it's overflowing from the container and then we're gathering it back to the container and it's just coming back and back and back. So yeah, 
uh, but we're constantly searching for a container for it to come back to because we need, we, we need that structure. Like we need, we, we need something to, to like grasp it back onto. So, um, there's that side of that. I mean, I'm just reflecting on, as you're saying that about the water cycle of um, the verse from Kohelet where, uh, where at the beginning of Ecclesiastes, where it says, um, that the water, the rivers keep flowing to the sea, but yet the sea never gets full. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. How, on the one hand, that's disappointing. On the other hand, that's the way of the world. <laughs> I no wonder. Yeah. How is it that people keep writing songs and yet we never write the same song? The piano, we never run out of notes, right? We could say the same thing. Yeah, I could show you the a little bit. Maybe I'll play, play, I can play you a little something. Yeah. 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 I, People will be very disappointed if they tune into a podcast that has Joey Weisenberg on it and there and there wasn't any music by Joey Weisenberg. So I have my I'm taking out my um, my Telecaster guitar here, um, which is which is one of my it's like the guitar that I've had for a long time and um, I, I keep make, I keep coming up with um, all these custom guitars and nothing is ever as good as just this first guitar that I really have. <laughs> um, so you can hear that through the speakers and. And so, you know, bef- here, here's like a little example of this thing. Like, say you're doing this song. Um, there's a song that, 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 you know, the tradition says King David wrote um, with the Psalm 150, and it says, Kol HaNeshama Talia. So here's the structure. This thing happens over and over again. Right, this is the, the whole song is built on this. The structure stays the same. wants to take off from the structure a little bit and wants to push against it. It starts to like get a little silky.
So in the world of music, we're only just getting started. <laughs> you know, just like the song, we just played that one pattern maybe 50, 70 times, and it's, it's only just starting to unfold. <laughs> and first of all, just a, a gorgeous setting of Psalm 150. I love it. And second of all, what's incredible about it is that all you need is for one instrument, which happens to be both a, a, a rhythm and also can like be a harmonic instrument in it. All you need is for one instrument to hold it down. You need one instrument to be steady. It has a, a four measure repeating form and it holds it steady and everybody else can wander. Mm -hmm. Right. Like all the other voices can wander, but it's just like, it's just holding it down. Yeah. That's it. Like, and you can always rely on it and always come back to it. And, and like, you're almost listening to yourself play that as you wait to come in rhythmically, as you wait to come in with other stuff, but like you can come back to it and you're just like listening to yourself play that bass line. It's so steady. Yeah, I mean, and that's essentially what you're what you're doing when you're a musician or a baltfila is you're you're reflecting upon that that fixed thing, right? That like in this case, it's the bass line. In in the C dur, it might be the the the, the form of the words, the, yeah. the matbea, right? Yeah. But you 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 have these um, whatever it is that's fixed, <laughs> and then you have whatever it is that's pushing against the fixedness. Yeah. Right. And so if you could, you know, like there, my voice was starting to um, get a little bit farther away from the rhythm, you know, yeah. and, and it pushes against it. But the the job of the artist or the Bautzfila is is to um, is to negotiate those two things and try to hold it together, to hold the fix together with the potential for the unfixed. And in some ways, COVID has been a gigantic unfixed. Yes, let's. Let's talk about let's talk about what happened when the hinges started to come off a little bit there. Um, what was it? What's your memory of when the first time when you realized that things were totally changing? It's March of of last year, um, and uh, and things start to shift, and you're starting to get word uh, of things changing. What what changed first for you? Was it cancellation of regular life was it gigs what started to crumble for you particularly jewishly what what changed so much in your life yeah well i think um you know obviously it was relatively early on it was already very sad i mean lots of lots of harsh stories and people suffering and you know that kind of thing that you hear from afar and then it gets a little closer you have friends who are pulmonologists and there's they're in the hospital trying to rescue people and then you know you have friends whose parents have passed on or uh, you know just things get a little closer and closer thankfully it, it, it you know it has remained at somewhat of a distance you know from my actual family um, but I know that's not the case for for many if not most of us and um, yeah, but certainly then, you know, there was the unraveling of lots of my my professional world, um, which which was terrifying, um, you know, just just, you know, and if it's terrifying for me, it's all the more so for for so many artists and musicians who are um, out there, you know, they depend on basically traveling and getting people close together. <laughs> it's like the two things which immediately became completely impossible. Um, and for me, singing, especially where, you know, it's like get close together and spew globules um, <laughs> at each other, which is, you know, the act of communal singing. <laughs> you know, so it's like everything that I worked for for all these years was was in a free fall. Um, and, you know, so the the question always comes up when there's like an impending disaster, you know, which has in some ways, um, that's what this has been for many people around the, the world, the country, uh, for me, um, you know, this sense of, okay, so 
how am I going to do what I do? How am I going to make it? You know, the same things that, how am I going to support the family? And the same thing, questions that countless people are asking. And, um, you know, so then the, the nice thing is that when, when the established thing falls apart, there's opportunity <laughs> to, you know, and, and anybody who's been in business, um, you know, understands that when things hit rock bottom, that's a good time to invest. Right. And, you know, were you going to jump in? Oh. No, I, I'm just smiling because you're smiling. <laughs> I, and I, I, I think that your smile gives away your, uh, your optimism. So I'm, I'm listening closely to hear what you're optimistic about. Yeah. I mean, we just have to think about, about the, the enormous possibilities that could come out of, um, out of this suffering that we wouldn't choose. <laughs> right. Um, but we wouldn't ask for it, but once we've got it, well, new, <laughs> what are the advantages, you know, and, you know, among the advantages is, is, is a, I think, and, and I, I, I think is a, a, a breakdown of, of the establishment, um, it, that's a major disadvantage, and we've seen some of that um, even yesterday. <laughs> we've, you know, there's disadvantages to, to, you know, when, when, when the forms and structures that hold us together um, as a country or as in, in community fall away. Um, but there's also advantages in that it allows for for reconsideration and for reevaluation and for reintegration and for recreation and regeneration. Um, it, it allows the seed to break and the plant to grow um, in, in, in ways that we never would have had the courage or, or the chutzpah to do. Um, you know, so my, my prayer is that, is that we're all able to, to, to find the next, the next thing that, that we do, both as individuals and communities and as a country and, you know, as a world, um, that this allows the opening for that. And I think it might. Back when you were, back when this just started, when people really didn't know. I mean, yes, we knew that we weren't supposed to be spewing globules on people, and we knew a pandemic was starting. We knew it was super scary, and that we probably shouldn't be gathering people's living rooms anymore. Uh, let's say in you know March and April, and we started staying home. I'm pretty sure around that time you had a bunch of fellows living in Philadelphia with you and mm -hmm. people thinking about recording uh, with rising song records. Um, since you're as uh, so you have uh, under Hadar's uh, umbrella, you have the rising song records. And um, yeah, I know you've had um, Bacha Levine and, and uh, Deborah Saxman have put out records recently, but I know you also had some fellows there who are sort of looking towards the future of what they're doing were they asking you at that time, were they turning to you and saying, what do we do? Uh, like, well, what's next? Are they asking you to prognosticate and tell them what comes next? Well, they were asking me and they didn't even have to, because I was asking myself because, you know, um, I would say this is, if it's a hard time to, to, to be an artist, um, it's an even harder time to start as an artist. <laughs> You know, uh, for people who, for who, you know, who, who are just launching into their work in the world, it's, it's, it's awfully hard to get started, which I was really hoping for, for the Rising Sun residents. And it's been, it's been tricky because although many of them have found, already found amazing answers, <laughs> you know, so it's, um, it, 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 one thing that was nice about it is that we got to go through it together, um, you know, so that we're not all completely isolated, um. And, you know, I'd say, yeah, hard. It's, um, there, there's no answers of what to do when literally every single venue, um, of, of, you know, that's established is suddenly not available anymore. Right. And then we all have to invent a new field, um, overnight and we can do it <laughs> and we're going, we are doing it and we can do it, um, find new ways to teach online, Find find new ways to make music. Draw out, um, th you know, draw out our, our own artistic capacity um, in a more introverted way, and then present it to the world. You know, like I'll give you an example. 
uh, for me, okay, just personally. Like, it used to be that when I'd write a song, do you mind if I play another little schnoodle? Mind, Joey. <laughs> Please okay. play. Yeah. So um, I wrote a, a melody recently uh, around when COVID started, um, which has now become a melody uh, for um, for the words Yisbarach Yishtabach Le'elam in Kol Birchata V'Shirata. And, and that's a quote from the Kaddish, which is a, um, a prayer that's only sung with a minion. <laughs> and, um, and, and it goes like, It's like the main role of the Shulach Tzibur is, according to the Shulchan Aruch, is to get a good Amen. <laughs> right? Because when you sing, um, you stretch out the Amen, it becomes Amuna, and that's the state we want to live in. And um, etc. So um, the thing is that this song, which is all about the, the, these words, which might be the most fam- famous Jewish prayer ever, although that's debatable, um, is... Um, you know, it starts off by talking about the songs that we sing. Um, we give our brachas, yisbarach, vishtabach, and our shavach, and our vit pa'ar, and our lifting songs, vit romam, vit naseh, vit hadar, and our splendor, songs of splendor and rising. And that's all the songs, amiran ba'alma, the songs that are sung by people in the world like us, or by the world itself, Right? These are the kinds of songs. But there's another another song that's sung above. Le'ela min kol birchata. That's above all of those brachas and songs and, and shvachim, tushbechata, and nechamata, and songs of comfort. Right? And um, so it's, uh, it's strange to, first of all, um, it's strange to compose a song for this, this glorious prayer in a time when I can't even sing it with people, right? And so yeah. one, one of the things that, that it's pushed me to do is, let's say, um, I've had to actually push my musical skill in, in, in ways that I've actually always wanted to be doing, right? And it's been one of these quiet advantages of COVID for me. Um, so for example... Um, Let's take that melody and and since I don't have harmony singers, I go. Right, and the guitar, um, I'm playing two notes at a time, and those are, say, the other two notes of a three-part harmony. Oh. 
instrument at all? What's that? You're not doubling your voice in the instrument at all? At this right, point. exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's a three-part harmony, right? After you get those parts together, then you think like Bach and you start to make bass lines, right? Um, becomes the Makela, um, becomes the Makalod Rivavo Samcha Beis Yisrael, that, you know, and, and so, you know, COVID has been one of those things, it's like, okay, I can't go out and find all the people, the harp of, the harp of Israel to sing with, <laughs> right? But, um, you know, here in my hands, I have this other harp, um, you know, and try to, try to draw out some beauty from it. Have you considered, uh, have you reconsidered what liturgy you might want to apply that melody to for this for this period of time? No, I I it was a niggin at first, and then it and then I was I was um, one day moving along, and it just poured out as that, and so I'm going with it. <laughs> and I, I can imagine, you know, in a year maybe when we're together again, the the idea that. Um, I just can hear the voices. Oh, holy I imagine us davening and, and the whole room just opening up with harmony um, as we, you know, try to get towards what's beyond our harmony. Mm. It's just waiting. It's just yeah. waiting. It's funny. In this time, I had the completely inverse experience and of course most of my work is not composing but I felt myself drawn to the liturgy that speaks specifically to this window of time that we're stuck in so I found myself writing melodies to pieces of the liturgy that speaks to the quarantine experience so I've been writing like for Psalm 90 which talks about Adonai Ma'on Atahaitalanu and Ma'on is like the the den that like the mother brings the baby lions what do you call it? cubs <laughs> baby lions uh brings the cubs into to keep them safe from prey um and so looking for melodies to go to these psalms that don't necessarily have them um and uh you know looking looking to be able to sing to these things that i'm meditating on that are ideas that that are there I don't know but I guess I'm lingering and wallowing in those things and I like the idea of a melody that's just sort of lying in wait for that day when we can come back and sing Layla Layla um right yeah so I know that you were exploring the idea of of being able to learn without barriers you know to be able to reach audiences in digital ways long before COVID started, right? You already had an online presence. You had YouTube videos of the Hadar Ensemble singing. You had videos being put out by both fellows and the Rising Song Records out there before. Um, had you already begun exploring the concept of the, uh, of the masterclass videos and the teaching that you're doing? Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about them and how that kind of grew during this window. 
Right. So it's, you know, right now, as we're talking, it's January 2021, and, and it was um, a, a year and a half ago, June. So in 2019, I, I had it in my head that I, I had all these people from around the world asking me questions, like, how do you do this and how do you do that? And, you know, can, like, I live far away from a community. How can I learn how to how to lead davening um, in my house or, or, you know, or I live in a tiny community and one of us needs to step up. How do we do this? Or I live in a big community and, and, and I was, I was, what I wanted to do was to find a way to, to systematize, to, 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 um, you know, to offer answers to all these people who wanted. And, and I decided to download my brain, um, and and I ended up working for uh, a solid month and recording 500 videos, <laughs> like on how-to subjects, like how to lead, how to become a Baltzvila, how to how to connect with the community, how to um, raise your community in song, um, how to um, how to you know all of the nusach for the year um, that you might need, and and hundreds of melodies, and how to sing a nigun, and how to. Um, understand the words and the teachings of the sages as they apply to music and to community, um, the Torah of music. And, and I just was kind of obsessively making these videos and, and, and it was really, I thought that it might be a way to reach people, but I didn't even know how important it would have been <laughs> because then the following March when COVID hit and I, we had just started releasing the videos um, realized that what a gift it was that I had made these just because now immediately we had something to offer the world, um, which was that people couldn't sing together, but they could get together um, online virtually to study um, videos and t to watch them. And, and um, so we have this on joeyweisenberg.com. There's this collection of all these videos. There's also now a live performance archive that has lots of um, recordings that have never been released. Um, and, you know, so if you don't want to learn, but you just want to watch, <laughs> you know, there's, there's what to, to do there too. And yeah, I think the idea has, has been to continue the, the path of empowering people to, to learn um, you know, no matter who and where they're coming from. And we found that, that complete beginners have, have, have something to learn from this and highly experienced Jewish music professionals, um, have spent a lot of time on the site. And, um, so yeah, I think it's been, um, that has now been the thing that we've really been working a lot towards is, is, um, helping to expand, um, our online offerings and we're, we've created these rising song circles, which are starting to pop up around the country, which give people a chance to study together. Um, you know, all based around an online format, but eventually once COVID is over, they'll get together again. And it's based my, my general hope for music um, right now is that, is that we can get a bunch of preparations made so that, when we're able to get back together in community again, um, that we are ready to, to do it and even better than it had been. Right. And, um, and I also have this hunch that when in general, once community gathering becomes possible again, people are going to a little bit have forgotten how to do it. Um, there's, there's some, we've lost some of our social skills. We're hiding behind masks that are even more elaborate than they ever were. Um, in some ways, uh, in other ways, we've discovered things in ourselves, which should make us more open to it. Um, but I think that music is going to be one of the tools that will remind us as a society, how we can, how we can gather and how we can depend on each other and interdepend. Um, so that's what we're working towards. What is Shabbos for you these days? Oh, Shabbos is, um, been great <laughs> yeah <laughs> you get to stay in one place a little bit yeah i mean there's um we haven't haven't left home for close to a year and um we go out take walks um in the woods 
we dive in in the woods. Um, we go in our backyard and we have a little chavara that stands far apart from each other and, and sometimes we dive in, but it's, it's, it's usually very flexible. It's like, um, we might get together and just sing Hallel on a, on a chag and not, not, not everything else. <laughs> just something very, something beautiful. Um, and it's, so in, in some ways it's been a, a, a way more flexible version of, of Shabbat than, than I've ever had the chance to experience before. Um, Shabbat and festivals and holidays, um, where it's, 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 um, just very beautiful and very intimate. I mean, we sit around talking about Torah and, um, mm. What's the secret sauce to creating a, a chevra like that? Is it just, uh, I don't know, going back to my, my theory, it's my theory, not yours, but that it actually takes work and that it's not just spontaneous magic, but, uh, what does it take to make, to make that kind of magic? Oh, well, I mean, right now we're, we're lucky cause we have some amazing people on our block. And we, I mean, that's not entirely luck. We've been, you know, there's been some intention around, you know, who wants to live where. Um, and, uh, but even, even if you have, um, you know, it says in the Talmud, as I know you know better than me, chevruta o matuta, right? Like you need a chevruta, like a, a life study partner. When you have that kind of study partner, it brings life or if you don't, it, you know, it brings the opposite. Um, and, um, you know, I think, and it says in Pirkei Avot, like, buy yourself um, a partner, you know, a spiritual partner. It's expensive to live in Philadelphia, so. What's that? It's expensive to live in Philadelphia, so there you go. <laughs> not like, uh, not like LA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, um, yeah, so there's a sense, like you're saying, you have to, you know, go out and, and make things happen. And in many cases, that's true. It's, it's funny, though, because the, for me, most of my Jewish life has been about actively building and visioning and dreaming and trying to create things um, that don't exist. But the thing on the block um, has been way more casual. It's been just super sweet. And, and I've almost been deliberate about not being too deliberate. <laughs> just, you know, which for me has been a good, a good result of COVID. Just trying to step back from my instinct to always be pushing and pushing and pushing. And instead, um, just let it be a little bit because, you know, and it's, it's felt a lot more relaxed and I've had a chance to to just kind of be in the Jewish um, space without too much pressure. That's been very nice. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there, it's a lot more complex than just it either happens or it doesn't just happen. It takes work. I, I think that one of the things that I've talked about in some of these other coming back conversations is how the groundwork of literacy can plant the seeds for a confidence that lets you, lay back and let things happen a little bit more. You know, if you feel confident in the way that you can let Shabbat happen because you know that you can just do Hallel and feel fulfilled in that, or you know you can just do this little davening by yourself and then go out in the woods and have the time that you want to have, you know, with your chavra out there, whatever that might mean to you. Uh, Like literacy and, um, and kind of closeness with the tradition opens doors to just laying back and letting things be a little bit, a little bit more, um, learning, learning opens doors to just, um, ownership and autonomy and, um, I don't know, getting to be a little bit more flexible sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. The concept of flexibility, it's, yeah. I mean, I really, I think literacy obviously is something that's that brings richness and it can also get in the way. <laughs> so it can go either way. You know, it, yeah. it, it's, um, la sota to Shabbat to build, you have to make the Shabbat. Uh, but it's also a time, Shabbat vayinafash, a time to, to just stop from the making, um, and, you know, re-ensoul. Yeah. 
Um, and so, you know, those two things are a bit of a contradiction in some ways. And so, yeah, like the, the need to always be making and then the need to step back from the making, you know, is something that's been present for me during COVID in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the need to use Shabbat as a contrast to the rest of the week is also really hard when Shabbat might have been a time where you were home with your people uh, and maybe you're home with your people like all week now. <laughs> so how do you make Shabbat a time where you re-ensoul when there's no way to feel like you're escaping or doing anything differently? Um, for us, it's screen time that gets a rest entirely. You know, for us, it's the pre-preparation of food and another pre-preparation of like our, our home and our place. But it, it is hard to differentiate and feel like it's a day to just <sighs> refresh and and be renewed. That could just be because our kids are two and five. It's hard to refresh anything that way, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting the types of boundaries we try to try to construct. It gets back to what you're saying about the fixedness and the unfixedness. But in general, we the Jewish tradition and many and every other tradition tries to create boundaries. Um, fences around the Torah and, and it tries to create boundaries in order to, to enact, a, enact something that can be ritualized and done over and over again, right? And part of making those fences, it's like an old question about building walls, right? So like when, when, the, when the spies were going into the, the land of Canaan, it, they, they were it was said, look around and see if there's any walls around the cities, right? And, and if there's any walls, um, then that means that they're probably afraid and they're not very strong, right? As, as, and then, and so, you know, then they marched, there were walls around Jericho, so they march around Jericho seven times blowing the shofar and the, the walls fall down. It all just crumbles away and all the might of Jericho dissipates. And, um, and then... We turn around and we say, Tibnet Chomot Yerushalayim. We're like, hey, um, let's, let's, let's build the walls of, around Jerusalem. Right. And I mean, which could mean a bunch of things, but I'm, I'm, there's a sense of, of contradiction. But, you know, we, we both want to build walls and we want to have a society that's free of walls. And, um, you know, in some ways, the. Um, the strictures that we put in place, the fences that we build around the Torah, um, serve as a, as as both a wall, which uh, um, a boundary, which allows us to build and form within it, and it also can serve as a as a way of keeping us blind to what's going on beyond. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and it it can make. Um, things more black and white rather than nuanced and taking away the nuance is, is uh, taking away the beauty of all of those complexities that lie in between. Because right? when you break things down, you can say, actually, that's not forbidden to do. It's just a fence around a fence around a fence. So what is, what are you most excited about getting back doing personally maybe that's an obvious question but maybe there's something less obvious are you are you excited about something small and mundane <laughs> i know you know you mean like when covid is over or is that what you mean or yeah what is there something that you miss terribly in the realm of doing Jewish and Jewish community? Or is there something that you think is a next normal, to borrow a term I just learned this week from Rabbi Steve Kay? Um, is, there a, is there either a, a, a next normal, a thing that you think that we're getting to next, or something that you want to get back to that you're so looking forward to doing the day that you can do it with a mask off or a, 
yeah. vaccine. I don't know. You know, I, I, I personally built my entire, um, I don't want to say career, but my, basically that my entire like life's work up until a year ago, um, a lot of it was centered around um, singing with people and how much I enjoyed that and dreamed about it and tried, wanted to build it in the world. And I will just, you know, speaking as an introvert, um, say that while doing that is super, super beautiful and uplifting for me, and I have a hard time imagining not doing that, um, there's also been something nice, very nice and restorative for me about this time that's been very quiet and, um, and where I haven't had to be in front of or amongst a lot of people <laughs> where it's been a little bit more of a hermit like existence, which, which honestly I can kind of deal with. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I think in terms of the, the, the next steps, it's, it's, it's going to have to, for me, it's going to have to be reconciling um, what I've learned during this period about myself um, with, with the work I do in the world as, as a, smiling leader type, uh, you know, or whatever, you know, where I have to, I have to go into the world and make things, um, which, and, and that often involves being completely overwhelmed by the, by the very things that I've made. Yeah. Um, and so it's, um, I would like to find, find ways to continue to, to nurture the, the, the still small voice and the, the, the shtika, the, the, the quietness um, and the, the time alone and the time in, um, in reflection, you know, which are important aspects of, of Jewish, um, even though Jewish life is all about the minion, um, it, there's significant factions that have spent a lot of time in Yechidas and in, in solitude and in the, the, you know, kind of solo unity with the world. Yeah. So I'm interested in, in trying to strike a balance there. Maybe you could say a word about the art that you've discovered during this time, this, uh, this transforming of trees that you've been, uh, that you've oh, yeah. been engaging in <laughs> during COVID. Well, this again is a, something I started before. When I was 13, I, I, I spent um, some summers taking wood carving lessons from, from a master woodcarver in Wisconsin where I grew up. And um, I learned how to make little, little things that you can hold in your hand. But then a, a year ago, um, a big tree came down in, in, in our neighbor's yard and it was cut up into sections. And then the section sat there and um, became a playground for our kids. We were jumping on them. And then I asked if I might um, take a stab at carving one of them. And I carved one and it turned out to be a, a, a face of a Rebbe. And, um, and then I carved another one and it turned out to be a Virgin Mary. And I turned, carved another one and it turned out to be um, my musician friend with glasses. And and, and, and I just actually just kept going until the entire yard was full of these figures of, of you know, different types of people. Um, and there's actually more than a minion of them now. And it's, there's a minion um, with the Virgin Mary, most importantly. Does she count or not? She <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a Jewish mother. She was uh, a Jewish mother. Um, and uh, actually, some people have actually come and davened in that yard <laughs> using them as a minion, uh, which has been hilarious. And um, but yeah, it's been a really sweet thing because the neighborhood has really enjoyed um, seeing these this, these carvings kind of grow. And um, so when everybody was feeling isolated, they would walk past the yard and stop and look and sometimes say hi to people. And it became this way to to gather. And um, for me, I was behind not only a mask, but a, like a, a, sh a face shield that I was using while I was carving. Um, and so it was actually this really funny way of building community because nobody really knew it was me behind the mat, you know, doing that. And so I was like able to just 
be a little bit anonymous and make these things and and that you know people would stop every day in their cars and check it out and it's just it was very sweet and still is well maybe we'll we'll end on that note and a blessing that that i hope that you find exactly that balance for you as introversion that you should find a bubble in this next iteration of the universe where you get to feel that exactly it sounds like the perfect balance in the world where you get to feel as an introvert that people get to observe you publicly but privately with your art or you get to be in this protected bubble right and people get to admire your art and you even get to see their love around you and experience their joy but you're protected a little bit from it and you get to experience a little bit of the anonymity um but you get to still kind of sense the radiation of their joy around you i hope you get some of that i hope you get the continuation of that in uh even beyond COVID. Um, and I'm so grateful to you for taking these minutes out of your precious time for playing a little for me, for us, for the listeners to this, to this podcast. And I do hope you get to come back. I hope we all get to come back to the world. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the bracha. I'm so, um, just want to send my appreciation to everybody who's listening, um, and to you for, for making this and spreading ideas and, um, making the best of, of of new of new sets of circumstances. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, let's do it. Thanks, Joey. Thanks for listening to this episode of Are You Coming Back? Do you have someone you'd like to recommend for a conversation like this one? Someone who might have a fascinating personal perspective on returning to Jewish rhythms beyond the pandemic. Reach out to us at hchorney at tbala.org.